Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello. Uh, oh. Welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cubicularist. Yeah. Today, within the Libro Cube, is ah, Internet Day. Because of combining Fridays and Internets, I do not feel the usual Monday through Thursday spoiler warning at the top of the show is really necessary. However, I do always mention that it's not necessary, which in itself is, when you think about it, a sort of spoiler warning in itself. Hmm. Interesting. Of further interest is that, if you like what you hear, and by that, of course, I mean this podcast and not the sort of ambient sounds in the room at any given moment, such as Belch's, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> no. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Because that is what helps others find podcasts. That is what helps them grow. Like beautiful, beautiful flowers. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business which is today's sponsor, which is Rob Dog Silvercom Security and Tracking Corporation. Once again, today's sponsor is Rob Dog Silvercom Securities and Tracking Corporation. Thank you to them for sponsoring this. We couldn't have done it without you. Well, we could have. But we just wouldn't be raking in all this dough. <laughs> dough. And money. Of email money. Okay, so, uh, Friday Internet Day. Oh, you know what I wanted to mention? Since this is our last hot Internet Day before the Christmas holiday break, uh, I wanted to point out that fact, which I suppose I just did. Uh, on the note of that, I also wanted to point out that next week, since we will be on a little holiday podcast hiatus, what I will do is be, what I will do is be, oh god, what I will do is be uh, publishing, posting the second annual Scrooged reenactment slash script read thing majig. If you are unfamiliar with that, it is unsurprising, as it's only ever happened once, um, and that was last year, around the same time, Christmas time. What I have done, and what was friggin' harder to do than I thought it was going to be, was read, kind of sort of act out a little bit, the entire script to the Bill Murray classic holiday flick, Scrooged. Ooh. So... Because last year, around this time, I did all of that work. Uh, that means this year I just pretty much post it with maybe a little preamble at the top of it. 
So uh, I'm looking forward to doing that and then taking the week off for the reason, mostly, that I'm not doing much driving into work. So can't really record too much in the way of podcasts, can we? We cannot. Okay, so uh, that was too much preamble for a hot internet day when I have a lot to fit in. But what are you going to do? Not do it? Well, yeah, that would have been the smart thing to do, but there is no time to look back. we got to talk about Vsauce, because Vsauce is something that seems to fit very, very... going to go ahead and throw in one more very well into the Libro Cube. Uh, Michael over at Vsauce, which is, if you are unfamiliar somehow, some way, a YouTube channel in which a dude will talk about a huge, wide variety of interesting, quite often science-y subjects. Probably, I think, for my bang, for my buck, although it is free because it is on YouTube, one of the one of the most well-done, I don't know, would we call it a web series? Uh, I, I'm always kind of in the mode of just calling things web series when they appear weekly on the web and follow a similar theme. Just call them a web series. may not be 100% accurate. Oh, what happened there? But uh, that's just what I do. Anyways, the uh, the most quality sort of web series out there today in terms of delivering new and interesting and educational things to my brain without being ever, ever boring. Does it in such a way that he's like this generation's Bill Nye. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a, actually, I wonder if ever, if anyone has ever made that comparison before. Interesting. Anyways, I think that might potentially work its way into the title. Like, Michael of Vsauce, is this generation's Bill Nye? Something to that effect. Okay, uh, this one was called Moving Illusions. Illusions. We've all seen these. If you've been on the internet for enough time, something like this will pop up. It's He starts off by talking about illusions called uh, anomalous motion. Uh, those are the ones that you look at them, and as you move your eyes around them, they appear to be moving, when in actuality they are not. <laughs> These ones are funny because I don't know if I've ever seen one printed or in a book. However, I've seen them a lot on the internet, which makes me always think that maybe it's a GIF or GIF, if you prefer. Uh, they are not. They are not. They are actually just your brain tricking you into thinking they are moving. He spoke a little bit about uh, war camouflage. Uh, this one was very interesting as well. I, I didn't know this existed. Uh, he wasn't talking sort of average, everyday camouflage that you think of when you think of army camouflage. No, no, no. Uh, he was. He showed examples of ships. I think it was mostly just ships that were painted in black and white stripes, painted in such a way where you you really you couldn't tell where sort of one ship ended and the other began. It's almost uh, zebra-like, actually. Very, very interesting. Uh, if for anything, watch this video for that, because it's one of those things that I assume, like me, most people do not know such a thing ever existed. And once you see it, you're like, holy shit, that, that is freaking odd to behold. And I wonder why they don't do it anymore. I guess with, like, sonar and radar and back then... The shooting of ships was done through visual means only. 
Yeah, perhaps that's it. Made it t- hard for people to judge the distances away of ships and things like that. Very, very cool. Oh, and another cool one, and actually I think Michael pointed out that this was his favorite one, was the castle tops at Disney World. So you see that sort of uh, iconic Disney castle, and it's actually not as big as you think it is. In fact, it is quite small up near the top. I think you could probably, if you were to write at the second, if you are able to, Google uh, small Disney castle tops, you'd see an example of a guy up on this thing, which will make you realize that they are, in fact, quite tiny. It's just constructed in such a way that from standing in the street, it, it makes it look like it's kind of far away. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's how he explained it was done. Uh, it, I guess the way these are set up and painted are to give your eye the illusion that they are, in fact, far away and therefore quite large, but they're actually factually quite close and small. So uh, that one was very interesting. It was It was creepy almost to see a guy sort of fixing the very, very top. He was like putting a, putting a little touch on it or something, maybe maybe painting something, and seeing him beside it. Very, very strange. Uh, he spoke of anamorphic illusions. This is one that I keep seeing a lot of lately. It's where it's quite often done with street art, chalk art. That's sort of most of the examples I've seen, where from a certain angle, it will look as if it is 3D, However, it's actually just sort of stretched out. Uh, quite often, in this case, used to make it look like in the middle of a street is a sort of chasm, and you could be standing on the edge of the chasm. And uh, these illusions are interesting in that they only sort of work if you're standing in a certain area, but once you move, they look all sort of strange and distorted. I like that. Uh, then, as Michael quite often got a little more uh, highbrow, a little more zen is perhaps a way to describe it, and spoke of uh, end of history illusions. This is the illusion that our brain creates, making us think that the sort of, how would I say this, the, the thoughts and personality and way in which we go about life that we are currently existing in right this moment, we believe is sort of our our end and how we will be for the rest of our lives. So, until he said this, it's probably not a thought. I know it's not a thought I, I've ever had. Being 32 years old and kind of thinking, yeah, you know what, I'm probably just going to be the way I am now at 32 years old for the rest of my life. However, if evidence shows us that uh, the difference between a... I don't know, a 19-year-old me and the 32-year-old me is any indication that as the years progress, I will, in fact, change with my experiences and sort of general outlook on life. That being said, I have to assume that the difference between a 19-year-old, the difference between your 19-year-old self and your 32-year-old self is going to be much more drastic, let's say, than the difference between your 32-year-old self and your 50-something to yourself, uh, 50-something-year-old self. But then again, maybe that is that illusion, end-of-history illusion, as it is called, tricking my brain into thinking that. Very, very interesting. Folks, uh, 
that's it for Vsauce. Why don't I move on to my next item? It is, we'll just call it a podcast, a video podcast. It's called Speakeasy. Speakeasy with Paul F. Tompkins. This is one of my lovely ones. I love Paul F. Tompkins. He's just one of those dudes who is oozing with comedies and makes the act of being funny appear easy when, in fact, it is extremely difficult. So, uh, very, very impressive. Uh, something he is incredible at is sitting down with fellow funny people and uh, shooting the shit for our entertainment. And I love it because that's basically what got me into listening to podcasts is that very act. Either, in some rare cases, like uh, Greg Proops springs to mind, people talking um, like myself right now to myself, talking to themselves. Or the other, uh, the other one is people sitting down and talking with other people, which I have to admit, I think I do like that more, <laughs> which coming from a man who does a podcast, that is not that. It's just no one wants to drive to work with me and record podcasts. Like the other day, I called uh, Tom Hanks and like, hello, Mr. Hanks, do you want to drive to work with me? Uh, and we'll record a podcast, and then you can sit in the car for eight hours while I do my work, and then when I'm done, we can drive home and record the other half of the podcast. And he's like, uh, yeah, let me get back to you. And I haven't heard back from him. So, damn it. And he's such a nice guy, so I kind of believe he will get back to me. On this episode of Speakeasy, which is, again, on YouTube, and again, free, he interviewed two people, and this is the first time he's interviewed two people on this podcast, he interviewed Key and Peel. Uh, these guys I keep seeing more and more and more of lately. One thing, unfortunately, I have not actually seen is their actual um, television show, which I want to, but uh, I don't know where to find it. I suppose uh, I could, and am going to, give myself a mental note, as I like to do from time to time. Jordan, seriously, try to find Key and Peel. I think it's in third season's just about to start, so you can probably get the first two. Do it. Do it. Do it. Join us. Okay, yeah. Uh, mental note completed. Super, super funny dudes. They have a sketch show that uh, I've never heard one bad thing about, and every instance I have seen of these two together, although not on their actual show, they have generated laughs in me, so I have to assume that uh, when they're doing their actual show that is sort of pre-written, that there's going to be some laughs there as well. They both come from an improv background, which again, more and more seem to be seeing people coming from improv and exploding into the comedy scene uh, with seeming ease, but probably not ease. It's just seeming ease. So uh used to be that uh, basically just stand-up comedy interested me as far as, uh, you know, if I won the lottery and could focus on something every day because I didn't have to work, I would potentially look at making the attempt at stand-up comedy. But uh, more and more often, I'm sort of throwing into that mix the thought of uh, improv because it interests me greater and greater amounts because of people like King and Peel. So, uh, I'm going to say that's a compliment. Sure, why not? I uh, just said that their third season of Keen Peel is green lit. 
So that's good. Going to start filming that. <laughs> I like their their story about their sort of first meeting. <laughs> it's probably something that didn't exist back in like the fifties. This sort of scenario where two guys just sort of meet up. Uh, they met up through improv. That, that part's not really important, but meet up and go out to a late night diner one night and end up just sort of spending the whole night together talking, uh, talking about what makes them laugh, uh, what they want to do with their lives, and generally, as they describe it, growing out. <laughs> Can you picture sort of uh, a manly, manly man from the 30s, 40s, 50s in his fedora hanging out with another dude and growing out? Growing out, I think, is a somewhat new scenario. Or maybe it's not, and now we just kind of talk about it more. Bros for life, man. Bros for life. Something they spoke of which makes me want to watch the show even more is that they believe, and this is a belief I share as well, is, uh, is that comedy is everywhere. You just have to sort of dig for it. And if you, like they, are going to uh, delve into comedy that may touch on subjects that are touchy, then it's harder to make it funny, and the possible repercussions are there for people having outrage towards you making fun of these subjects. But, you know, the comedy's there. Well, slipping all over the place. I like that thought. It's the sort of uh, sacredness of the joke, the skit that uh, nothing is off-limits, depending on if you are willing and able to go there and make people laugh with it. Hmm, interesting, interesting, interesting. As Paula Tompkins will do, we'll play uh, one or two, in this case, games. Uh, as he describes them, games from the internet, internet games. What I'll do is record the sort of standard podcast sort of format that I just spoke of, and then one or two separate, uh, let's call them skits, where they will play games. So that way, if you don't like, which is uh, an interesting way of, of going about it. It's almost like if, say, Doug Loves Movies played the Leonard Malton game in a separate podcast and then had the other podcast, had the rest of the podcast in a, a whole separate sort of entity. Describing it for that, I kind of don't like it, but this, it seems to work. Uh, one of the games they played is racist, or we really need to talk, we really need to tell you something. The idea there is that Paul Tompkins would uh, talk or show pictures of various people, and you had to determine through these pictures or talk whether or not they were actually racist, or we're just being stupid and not realizing that their actions were perceived by others as racist, in which case Key and Peele would come up to them and say, we really need to tell you something. <laughs> uh, I, what was the first one? Oh, I forget the actress's name. Uh, this is the only one I remember, and even that I don't remember fully because of the name curse that prevents me from remembering names. Anyways, it is the actress who dressed up in blackface. Uh-huh as um, one of the characters from Orange is the New Black, the Netflix original program. So, yeah, blackface. Not a good, uh, not a good uh, thing to do as far as demonstrating not being racist. But they did give her, uh, oh, we really need to talk, as in she probably didn't know it was racist until someone explained to her that it was. That's something Adam Carolla talked about, that he used to go blackface as Mr. T. Well, not used to, but 
did back in the day for Halloween, dress as Mr. T and go blackface. I had a friend who, back in the day, went as Bill Cosby, who was not black, who went blackface, which that wasn't too, too long ago, to be honest with you. And it doesn't seem until more recently that the whole blackface thing is super, super wrong. Whereas before it was just wrong, now it seems really, really wrong. And I wonder where the change happened there. The other one they played, oh, this was good. This was good, and I think if you're going to watch, if you're like, ah, you know what, I don't really want to watch this whole thing. It seems kind of long. Uh, I don't know what to do. I don't have the time. If you're going to watch anything, watch this, because it will make you want to watch the rest. What they did was the world record attempt for the most impressions in one minute. Yes. Uh, the world record, I believe, was 31 I think they said. So, they did 34 in 1 minute and 46 seconds. So, they went a little over the time, but uh, but still. Yeah, but still. <laughs> and most, most, uh, should I say most? Yeah. Most of the impressions did not make sense or were not good at all. Yet, and I want to underline that yet, were goddamn hilarious. <laughs> in fact, there was a Bill Cosby one that was... I believe just the word jello. So, uh, I like it, and I think you will too if you have a funny bone. No bones about it. I am going to stop, go do work for eight hours, and then meet you back here for a little bit more. I will, of course, leave one final thing to say, which is. Oh my glove. Look at her butt. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Eight hours of work completed. That is the end of work song. Uh, yeah. So, driving home. That's a, that's a good thing. Not good thing is the roads are pretty horrible, and I hate that. There are very, very few things in this world that I genuinely, actually hate. And snow on roads that affect drives is definitely easily for me to say in my top ten. Now, that being said, you're going to go around, ask some people, and say... Um, you know, I have testicle cancer. That's probably going to be in their top ten, most likely. And uh, would push out things like bad road conditions. So it's not as far as things to hate. This is my list we're talking about. This is not everyone's list, okay? I don't know why it took so much time to explain that. It really doesn't have anything to do with dry internet days, other than to give you my weather and road report. That was the road report. Weather report is minus six and fucking shitty out. Hmm. What I should do, and am going to do, because I should do, is hop back into Fry Internet Days with our final item, which is a podcast. Which, for me, I might even call the podcast for the reason that it is the very first podcast I ever experienced. Of course, if you are listening along with me for any length of time, this has come up on several occasions, because the very first podcast I ever listened to 
sorry, I say experienced for the reason that I listened and watched it, was episode number one of Kevin Pollock's chat show with host um, Kevin Pollock. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. With guest LeVar Burton. So, uh, as I like to say, I came for the LeVar Burton, but stayed for the Kevin Pollock. He infected me with this thing called podcast and made me realize that there existed out here a format which went out over, not airwaves, but internet waves. So I searched out fellow podcasts and experienced them as well, eventually reaching a sort of fervor of podcasting where I had no choice but to start my own. So he started me on that road, and I always give him thanks. One of the ways in which I give thanks, I suppose you could say, is to continue to watch his amazing podcast and occasionally, from time to time, bring it back. I like bringing it back for the reason that it sort of fits perfectly in this format of me bringing cool shit back to talk about. It's like the opposite of a O.J. Simpson club. It fits very, very well. Now, I will not sort of willy-nilly just bring back any old guest, although I should say that... With regards to Kevin Pollock's chat show, it doesn't matter who the guest is. Uh, it just helps if the guest is someone you have an interest in for the reason that I think it is safe to say that you will never, unless you spend a shit ton of time doing your own research, uh, have a resource for you to gather information and knowledge and hear interesting stories of these guests as in-depthly as you will with the Kevin Pollock chat show. The, uh, the research team there, just mind-boggling some of the shit they come up with and some of the turns that these conversations can take, uh, are one of the reasons that podcasts are a beautiful thing. It's sitting down, two people, for two hours, talking. Uh, this is unheard of. Unheard of! Definitely in the sort of TV world where you're lucky to get five minutes in. Anyways, I've said too much. I should be talking about now. The guest! whose name is Bobcat Goldbeth. Probably everyone knows. I think it's a safe assumption that he is very, very well known. In general, what you may not know of him is that he is no longer really acting. He's moved behind the camera and is uh, directing, directing kind of indie flicks. Indie, which is short for independent. Uh, and he's, over the course of, I don't know how many years, but I, I want to go as far to say only the last couple, maybe even, uh, is sort of really come into his own as a director. And maybe I'm just shooting that out of my ass, but it feels like I'm seeing more and more of him in respected directorial debuts. So uh, it's nice to see someone who came from uh, acting and not necessarily acting in comedy background, and not necessarily, I don't want to say not well-respected, but, you know, he did play, was it Zed on, was his name Zed? I think it might have been, in the Police Academy movies, which is not exactly the uh, cream of the crop when it comes to acting roles. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it, I think. That being said, I enjoyed the Police Academy movies. I have them on DVD. They're a, they're a delightful romp into 1980s comedy stylings. If you watch them in that frame of mind, uh, I think you'll, you'll still enjoy them. Uh, I've just sort of come to the realization that due to this shitty weather, 
and the darkness of the winter times coming on early, I cannot really see my notes. So, uh, this is going to be kind of hard to do off the cuff, whereas it's easier with, I think, a movie and a video game. So maybe I'll sort of sneak my light on periodically. Debating, debating, yeah, here goes. Okay, so Kevin Pollock and Mr. Bobcat Goldwraith have known each other since those 80s during the uh, comedy boom where comedians of the stand-up variety were plentiful and it was uh, apparently relatively easy to make money doing so. Where every restaurant, club, grocery store, barbershop, friggin' everywhere you'd go, there'd be a stand-up comic working the, work the corner. Now, uh, the fact that that doesn't really happen nowadays, I suppose, is a bad thing? Or is it a good thing? The comedians we have now have refined their craft to a degree where, even though there are less gigs, they could still make a living. So, uh, I suppose it has the, at least, question of quality over quantity. Was there more comedians out back in the 80s, but the, the quality of the jokes being told was not as good because they weren't having to uh, survive. It wasn't the survival of the fittest, if you will. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mr. Bobcat was on Kevin Pollock's chat show and has been sort of doing the rounds lately because he has a new movie coming out. Now, that's not the only reason he's on there. Uh, apparently, this has been in the works for quite a while, but it sort of, I guess, has the feel of they were just waiting for a good time for when uh, he can come on and plug something. What he's plugging sounds very, very interesting. It's an independent flick. Uh, one thing that has me a little leery is that it is a found footage film, or an FFF, if you prefer. I may have just made that up, I don't know. And uh, those, to me, are kind of a little bit hit and miss. So I think the potential for Bobcat making it good is higher than others would have with it, so let's uh, let's put it in, in that sort of frame. <laughs> it's weird, which I kind of got the feeling, uh, and not kind of, I did get the feeling over the course of this interview, that uh, he's a bit of an odd duck, and I goddamn like that. So him making a movie, making a weird movie for me, hits a lot of my like buttons, because uh, I may not be 100% quote-unquote normal, so uh, I like a weird movie. Big fan of, of just things in movies that uh, I have not seen before. For example, a found footage movie, FFF, in which um, around the sort of, what would you even call it, let's just say around the subject of Bigfoot. Huh. So what I'm sort of thinking is that it's people camping, and on the found footage film, they uh, they have captured Bigfoot. Is that what the idea is going to be? Anyways, I'm very, very curious. They didn't get too, too much into it, which is another thing I like of podcasts in general, and this one sort of emphasizes it, that despite the fact that he has a movie out and he wants people to go watch it, and he's going to give a plug for it, they're not going to spend two hours talking about it. It's just sort of there for people who are listening to it to be like, oh, yeah, that does sound really interesting. After I watch this two-hour interview, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. Okay, cool. It's not hitting you in the face, I think, is the way to look at it.
Okay, so, glancing at my notes again, I have several other things to say. <laughs> Normally when I've done this, I've uh, edited out the points where I hit my light and then read my notes, but maybe I'll leave it in for the purposes of you can see how much reading actually goes on. It was those brief seconds there. Hmm. Yeah, that's what happens. For the last uh, quite a few years, Bobcat has been directing... No, not the last quite a few years. He did for quite a few years. I think it was three? Anyways, it was a shit ton of episodes he directed of Jimmy Kimmel's late night talk show titled Jimmy Kimmel Live which is a sort of regular on my TV Tuesday episode, so uh, it was nice to know that Garen Frigantee, some of the episodes of that show I have seen were directed by Mr. Bobcat, so uh, I like that thought very much. It sounded like it was an incredible, incredibly stressful job, which makes sense. A job doing TV is always going to be stressful, but I think doing TV where your show is different every single day, a sort of daily show. Oh, like The Daily Show, for example. That is not live, but filmed in front of a live studio audience, anyways. So that's that's fairly live, as far as live things go. Live to tape, I do believe they call that, perhaps. Anyways, he told the story about uh, how, when he was working there, he used to talk with the guest. Uh, the guest in question, or in answer, the story he did tell was uh, Bob Einstein. Bob Einstein... Potentially not a name you will recognize. Probably known for several things, definitely. But uh, Super Dave Osborne, his actual factual name is Bob Einstein. And uh, also from Curb Your Enthusiasm, where... Does he play himself? No, he plays uh, He plays a character, but you, you know who I mean. I, I think an actor definitely where if you were to Google and get a look at his mug, you would recognize. Anyways... <laughs> The story uh, of Bobcat fucking with Bob Einstein was amusing because it's hard to picture him getting at all mad or frustrated. He seems kind of laid back for that, which is, I think, maybe why the story was so funny, because it's hard to picture. It involved um, giving him his sort of dressing room, as you do for a guest, and then um, I'm not sure if it was one appearance or over the course of several appearances, uh, giving him, like, shittier dressing rooms putting him in closets, uh, putting him in an empty dressing room where normally, you know, there's couch and things like that. Uh, I think he said at one point he'd put him in this dressing room and then Bob Einstein would, would leave for a bit, I don't know, go to the bathroom or something, and then uh, Blackout would go in and take all the furniture out so when he came back there was no furniture. He would trick him into thinking that uh, all the guests were getting really super elaborate gifts and then give Bob Einstein, like, shitty gifts. So uh, I don't know why he had it out for him, just that sort of devil inside him, which is another thing that you can kind of sense. Uh, he's, he's lost it over the years a little bit, calmed down a bit in his slightly older age, but you, you do get the feeling that he's sort of constantly at war with the mean bastard inside who wants to be up to no good, and uh, I like that. So I mention it. Oh, uh, something interesting happened in this episode of Kevin Pollock's Chat Show that I've never seen before. Uh, Kevin Pollock is, I guess, in the processes, or very near to completion, making a movie of his own. It's called Misery Loves Company. Or, no, wait, it's called Misery Loves Comedy? Shit, I forget what it's called. It might be Misery Loves Comedy. I think that makes more sense. Which is a play on 
Misery Loves Company, of course. Uh, it's a movie about comedians, which, friggin', I want to see this movie very, very bad once it is made. Because I love anything sort of behind-the-scenes action as far as comedy, stand-up comedians, things of that nature. Like the movie I Am Comic, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that. Anyways, this sort of has the sense that it's going to be in the same vibe, comedian documentary, uh, with the underlying question, do you need to be crazy, depressed, sad one moment, making jokes the next in order to be a uh, quote-unquote effective comedian? I would say that there's definitely, I'd go for so far as to say, obviously, evidence pointing to the fact that in many comedians, many very, very popular comedians exhibit features such as that, the exuding of misery. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question, and I'm looking forward to that movie. Anyways, Bobcat, former standing-up comedian and funny man in general, was asked several questions that potentially, but not 100%, will make their way into this documentary. So uh, Kevin Paul, very, very smart, had him on for the podcast, and then because he existed in this comedy field and would fit quite well into this movie, uh, asked him some questions that he could slide into the movie. They even brought in like a special camera, a uh, movie-shooting film-quality red, I think it's called, camera, whereas normally they just fill, uh, film... I guess, what is it, internet quality <laughs> video? And it was an interesting little behind-the-scenes to what's potentially going to be in an actual factual movie in theaters. So uh, I like that as well, and mention it. Okay, so that should, why don't I, wrap it up for several reasons. Nearing home, roads bad, concentrating needed, Several, several reasons, really, when you really boil it down. Uh, that was a fun Fry Internet Day for the reason that I always have fun on Fry Internet Days. But uh, I think this time I tried something which I always mean to try but often fail at doing. And that is to not bite off more than I can chew. Like, I just brought back three items. Now, each of those three items I spoke at length of at, in, what? But uh, normally I bring back friggin' like eight, <laughs> I don't know, like at least five, and have trouble fitting enough in about each of them that I would like to. So, what do you think of my little experiment? Did it make sense? You can let me know by tweeting at me. I am Jordan underscore Maywood, or perhaps email me to the address provided in the closing credits. I would love to hear about about you. Yeah, sure. I'd love to hear about you. I would love to hear from you about that or anything. Reaching out, pulling in, little audience participation. Before I say what I always say at the end of the show, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, maywood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. 
I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.